Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Wednesday, April 17th. I'm Sophie Casas. Okay, so you have two more days to vote for our Webby Award. So please, please go vote at tinyurl.com slash vgtrnwebby. That's tinyurl.com slash vgtrnwebby. Okay, so today we're talking about Julian Assange's recent arrest and sifting through all the news swirling around it. From an FBI agent admitting that the DOJ doesn't actually know whether Julian Assange's offer to help Chelsea Manning came to fruition, to the doctor who evaluated Assange telling the UN that his confinement was torture. There is a lot to sort through when it comes to Julian Assange right now. So I've turned to our in-house experts at Motherboard, editor-in-chief Jason Kebler and reporter Lorenzo Franceschi Bickeri to walk us through this moment in Julian Assange news. So Lorenzo, Sophie asked us to come on and talk about what is happening with Julian Assange and WikiLeaks and Ecuador and the United Kingdom and the U.S. government and Chelsea Manning and all sorts of things that are going on right now. Have you been keeping up with this? Uh, yes, and I'm glad that we have uh, eight hours to talk about it because uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's been almost a decade now since WikiLeaks and Julian Assange burst onto the scene. Julian Assange, for those of you who don't know, is the founder of WikiLeaks, which is an organization that has published a lot of documents in full. And these sorts of documents are like U.S. war cables from the Iraq war, John Podesta's emails, various hacked things, various things that were leaked to it. Um, can you think of any other big WikiLeaks? Yeah, the Afghanistan war logs, which uh, also came from Chelsea Manning, like the Iraq war logs, the diplomatic cables uh, that also came from Chelsea Manning. I mean, those were, I think the Chelsea Manning leaks were probably what made WikiLeaks what it is today. But yeah, over the years, there's been uh, a lot of stuff, like some Saudi stuff from Saudi. Right, and they were also involved in sort of the initial Edward Snowden stuff. Uh, I think that their lawyers helped organize Snowden getting out of the United States and into Hong Kong and then ultimately into Russia. Yeah, they didn't get any of the Snowden documents, but they sort of jumped on the bandwagon and tried to help Snowden. And also, if you want to be cynical, they tried to get some good publicity out of that too. Right. So, Lorenzo, what were the Iraq war cables? The Iraq War cables were a collection of, of thousands of communications for, uh, from I- the Iraq War that detailed um, all kinds of operations on the ground. And uh, they revealed a series of like misconduct and abuse in Iraq and also just more mundane, if you will, war operations. 
right? So Chelsea Manning is the one who leaked these two WikiLeaks. There was a very famous video called... Collateral Murder. Was that it? I think so. That was the, that was the title that WikiLeaks gave it to. Right. The, that showed a helicopter shooting, you know, unarmed civilians in Iraq. Yeah, the video was, like, taken from a... Yeah, from a U.S. helicopter in Iraq, and it showed how they were doing some sort of recon reconnaissance mission um, in Baghdad, if I remember correctly. And there was a group of people, among them two Reuters journalists with cameras. And you can also hear the, the chatter between the pilots, the pilot and the, the people in the helicopter. And somehow they believed that the cameras were weapons, and they decided to start shooting. And um, the two Reuters journalists died, and I think other people from that group died. So it was, when that video was released, it was a big deal because critics were like, well, this is, you know, this is a um, murder because these people were not enemy combatants, uh, they were not armed, and this, this helicopter just decided to shoot at them. Right, so we're talking about this now because... For the last seven years, Julian Assange has been holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, and he ended up there through like a series of, I don't know what you would call them, other than like weird circumstances. Assange was wanted by Sweden, right? Was it Sweden? Yep. For a sexual assault claim, and... At that time, am I explaining this correctly? Maybe you can explain it better. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a wild story. So I think it was 2011, and this is after all this stuff that we just talked about. So after the video came out, after the Iraq and Afghanistan uh, documents came out, this is when WikiLeaks was basically the biggest story in tech, maybe. So two women in Sweden come out and accuse Julian Assange of sexual assault. The circumstances of the assaults have never been cleared because Assange has never showed up in Sweden to answer questions from prosecutors. But basically, prosecutors launch an investigation and ask Assange to show up in Sweden. At the time, Assange was already in the UK. He declines. He doesn't want to go. Um, Assange is an Australian citizen, for what it's worth. Yeah. He doesn't want to go to Sweden. He says that this is all made up and maybe a CIA conspiracy to get him to the U.S. The U.K. police issues an arrest warrant when Assange refuses to show up to Sweden. And he finally gets protection from the Ecuadorian government and gets to the embassy. Right. So he files an asylum claim. Ecuador grants him that asylum claim. And he was supposed to, you know, fly out to Ecuador but he never did, and he ended up in the Ecuadorian embassy, and that's where he has lived for the last seven years. Yeah, that's that's a long story short, yeah. Right. And so last week, Julian Assange was kicked out of the Ecuadorian embassy and was arrested by the UK government for essentially a charge of basically skipping bail on that earlier charge. But the US government also unsealed some indictments against Assange on hacking charges related to the Iraq war cables and that earlier Chelsea Manning leak. So this was long awaited. There have been rumors of this happening for years. And at times it was even WikiLeaks that like fanned the flames of the rumors saying Julian Assange is about to get kicked out. The U.S. one, you know, want to get him extradited. For years this never happened. So people 
sort of started not believing that this was ever going to happen. Right. So presumably the U.S. government has wanted to get Assange for a very long time for publishing classified information in these Iraq war logs and other classified information as well. They didn't actually charge him yet with anything related to publishing classified information. They charged him on a hacking charge under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Yeah, exactly. So what the U.S. government is saying is that Back in 2011 or 2010, Julian Assange was in touch with Chelsea Manning before all the leaks that we talked about. Chelsea Manning has to Assange for help cracking a password to get into a U.S. government system. And the allegation is that Julian Assange told him, don't worry, we're on it, we can do that. I think the, the actual quote was, I have a guy who can do that or something like that. So the U.S. government is basically accusing Assange of being part of the conspiracy to steal these documents and then leak them publicly, which would be, well, the the leaking and publishing is as espionage. That's what Chelsea Manning got, got charged with. Julian Assange is getting charged with hacking, hacking, but there's a lot of, basically, there's a lot of big questions here. Like, did, did Assange ever actually try to crack the password? Did Assange want to crack the password and you know to press freedom um, advocates this is dangerous because they say Assange is just a journalist at that point he was just talking to a source and anyone else you know any other investigative reporter any other national security reporter even cybersecurity reporters like like us could be framed the same way right and we haven't even mentioned WikiLeaks' involvement in the 2016 election, the Mueller report, which is not out yet, John Podesta emails, Hillary Clinton emails, its role in the lead up to the 2016 election, etc., etc. I don't think it's really that relevant here, but like, suffice to say, the U.S. government is very interested in prosecuting Julian Assange. And so the the charge that they have him on now is a serious charge, but it's not nearly as serious as an espionage charge, which could have sort of a life in prison sentence associated with it. So that is why Julian Assange spent so long in the Ecuadorian embassy. He was living there for seven years because if he left the embassy, he would be immediately arrested and possibly handed over to the U.S. government knowing that he was facing such serious charges potentially is sort of why he stayed there as opposed to, you know, facing whatever charges, facing these ultimately charges that were dropped by the Swedish government. The sexual assault charges were ultimately dropped. Uh, You know, the UK charges were like carry a six month prison sentence, not a big deal. But these potential charges in the US were like a really huge deal. And so now the U.S. government is trying to extradite Assange from the U.K., and we don't know whether or not that will actually happen. Yeah, and we don't know whether there's other charges that are still sealed or secret. Right, and in the meantime, Chelsea Manning has sort of gone through a whole you know, court process in the United States. She was sentenced to a very long prison sentence. I don't remember if it was life, but it was a long time. She spent several years in prison, a lot of that in solitary confinement. Right before President Obama left office, he commuted her sentence and she was ultimately released. Uh, She became more of sort of a public figure, announced she was running for office in Maryland for Senate, ended up 
dropping out of that race, and now she's back in prison, was in solitary confinement for a while again, related to her not wanting to cooperate, I believe, in this case, or was it another case? Yeah, she was called in by the grand jury in the Eastern District of Virginia, which is the one that's been investigating Assange for years. We don't know what they want to ask, what they wanted to ask her exactly, uh, but presumably they wanted to ask her about Assange, and uh, she refused to go, um, and she got uh, arrested and detained because of that, because as part of a grand jury, you cannot uh, deny... You cannot refuse to testify. Right. So, a lot of stuff. <laughs> now, the the WikiLeaks saga, the Julian Assange saga, the Chelsea Manning saga, uh, they're all sort of interwoven with a lot of major global events over the last decade. And so there's a lot of weird twists and turns in this. Uh, you know, WikiLeaks has obviously been a pretty important organization over the last decade. One that sort of started out as a group that was very much tried to be apolitical and said that they were only going to, you know, publish full documents of whatever they got. Um, they still publish documents, but they've become, I would say, more activisty in the last few years. Um, you know, they have taken stands, especially on Twitter, relating to like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and the election and the Russia probe and all this sort of stuff. And so for a while, Julian Assange was hated by everyone on the right for leaking these Iraq war cables. Then he was hated by everyone on the left for leaking John Podesta's emails, who was uh, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff. And then now it seems like he's sort of a not a hero on the right, but there are people on the right who like him. You know, Donald Trump says that he doesn't care about WikiLeaks, but, you know, during the election, he sort of talked about them all the time. Yeah, and he publicly said, I love WikiLeaks. I think he actually said, I love WikiLeaks, I love Julian Assange. Right. So so Julian Assange has been like in the middle of like world politics for a really long time at this point. And a story that I published earlier this week was an evaluation by a doctor who had visited Assange over the course of four times over the course of the last two years to do mental and physical evaluations of his health. And these evaluations have been part of a like a longer project that was started by a Johns Hopkins researcher named Sean Love, who wanted to, he studied sort of like uh, health claims of people who were seeking asylum in the U.S. And he heard about Assange being in asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy and was curious what the health effects would be. So he brought on two other doctors to periodically evaluate Assange over the course of two years in the embassy. And what they found is that Assange's health has suffered a lot over the course of the last seven years. And earlier this month, Sandra Crosby, who is one of the doctors who most recently examined Assange, wrote to the United Nations and to other human rights groups saying that his treatment over the last seven years has ultimately, like cumulatively, been effectively indistinguishable from torture. And she said that because he hasn't been able to see really any doctor for the last seven years. Uh, she said that he has he he's in desperate need of oral surgery for a dental condition that apparently is life-threatening if it isn't acted on soon. He also has been living in this embassy that has no outdoor space whatsoever, so he's been unable to have any sunlight for seven years, which is 
I mean, it's pretty unprecedented. There's definitely been cases of, you know, people have been kidnapped and held in basements. There's been, you know, CIA black sites where uh, the U.S. government has held suspected terrorists for years without sunlight. But once you put together all the different facets of what Assange has been through, they say, they make the case that this is unprecedented, essentially, in human history, because he's had the stress of, you know, potentially being arrested at any moment and taken to the U.S. where he could face, you know, life in prison, potentially the death penalty, maybe. He's also been sort of like the center of world affairs for like a very public figure for all this time. And he also hasn't been able to go outside. He also hasn't been able to get medical attention. So putting sort of all that together, they say that this is in violation of the UN's treaty against torture. So, I mean, that's a handful. That's a lot to throw onto this already complicated story. Um, You know, we're not sure where this is going to go. The UN said that they were potentially going to look into this, but now he's in jail. He's not in the embassy anymore. So we don't know what the next steps are there. Um, And meanwhile, you've been covering sort of the legal case, right? Yeah. um, Me and my colleague, Joseph Cox, have been looking at at the charges because these are hacking charges. And we still don't know much about it because the indictment is very short. There's only one count, which is this one, this count of um, you know conspiracy for offering to crack this password. And we also don't know if they actually ever cracked the password. So there's a lot of questions that are still unanswered. And but ultimately, what some lawyers say is that none of these questions matter because just the act of offering help to break into a computer is, is a crime. And that's obviously very concerning because, you know, we deal with a lot of sources that are in some ways similar to Chelsea Manning uh, years ago. You know, they come to us and tell us, I've hacked this, I've hacked that, I have some data. And, you know, in some ways uh, we find ourselves in the, almost in the same position as Julian Assange did back in the day. Um, but the difference, the key difference here is that Assange seemed to be more proactive and more involved in the actual hacking and stealing than what a normal journalist would be. Yeah. So the the law that he's charged under is called the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Uh, I don't remember when it was passed, but it's this... I think 1984 in the 80s. Yeah. So it's an old law when you're talking about hacking. It hasn't been updated very much. And it's also a very broad law that's been used to go after lots of people for lots of different things. You know, groups like the ACLU and the Electronic Frontier Foundation think that it's a terrible law that has been used, you know, for overreach. And it's it's been used to go after people like the RSS co-founder and, and Reddit co-founder Aaron Schwartz, who published a bunch of academic papers or sort of made a bunch of academic papers available online. He was gone after by the feds and ultimately killed himself. Um, th- yeah. you know, that was a very disastrous result of the CFAA. There's a journalist named Matthew Keyes who was also charged under the CFAA for helping, sort of giving a password, a login to a, was it USA Today? No, the Tribune. He was part of the Tribune company. So it was like LA Times, Chicago Tribune like USA Today, like that whole company. And he gave over 
some a login to some hacktivists who defaced you know one of their home pages and he ended up going to jail for i think two years um, yeah there's been a lot of cases where the the feds have gone after people for what seemed to be relatively small acts you know like giving a password to someone or uh, what aaron swartz did which was basically just like download a bunch of academic papers and put them online i think they were paywalled or something so like he circumvented the paywall uh, downloaded the the papers and put them online critics say that the cfaa is like overbroad and ridiculous but it's never been changed uh, and that's also another big story like how 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 has Congress failed to change this law, even though, you know, everyone seems to hate it? But unfortunately, what what's happened is that I think there hasn't really been interest in changing it because prosecutors love it. What uh, even though you know ACLU, EFF, and people like that hate it, prosecutors love it because it really leaves a lot of uh, room for interpretation. So right, really, it lets them go after Assange, yeah. Matthew Keys, Aaron Swartz. It also allowed you know, the feds to go after a baseball executive who like shared a password when he was like with the St. Louis Cardinals (laughs) to his former baseball team, the the Houston Astros. So, I mean, there's just like a lot of, this law has been used very broadly and we don't know ultimately how it will be used here because we're not a hundred percent sure on whether Assange actually helped Chelsea Manning cracked this password and ultimately like what we're talking about is like a relatively trivial thing in the grand scheme of of like that whole of what Assange could have been charged with I feel like this is a pretty small detail of like publishing classified documents so it seems like the U.S. government is trying to avoid this broader like free press free speech discussion and trying to say well Assange was a hacker who actively helped hack versus he's a journalist who published some document yeah that seems to be the strategy right now I guess the, the big question is what will the US government do if Assange ever goes you know to the US yeah and we have no idea I mean th- this is like a developing story but th- I think that basically brings us to today um, <laughs> there's a lot of other threads and tangents we could have gone on but that's sort of like where this is and we'll be following it yeah and it may take a spoiler alert it may take months or years for the extradition process to finish so (laughs) don't hold your breath yeah you can follow jason and lorenzo's reporting at motherboard.vice.com and again please vote for our webby award tinyurl.com slash vgtrn webby that's it for now Thanks so much for listening, and make sure to tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.